The pollution of our oceans and other waterways by trash, toxins, and other wastes is a problem that affects us all. Our lakes, rivers, and streams flow into oceans and are in fact one giant organism rather than separate distinct waterways. The health of one part affects the whole. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. If we think about water in this way, we understand why it's important to keep all our water sources healthy and clean. We depend on water for our lives in so many different ways. You may have heard the name Wyland. It is that of a renowned environmental artist whose paintings of whales and other marine animals are on gigantic murals on buildings and cities all over the world. You may have seen one of them. The aim of Wyland, the artist, and his foundation is to remind us all that the ocean is a fragile ecosystem and that much of what ends up in the ocean, like plastic waste and toxins, starts out in other waterways, such as in rivers, lakes, and streams. My guest is Steve Creech, president of the Wyland Foundation, who was a journalist with an interest in environmental stories. At some point, Wyland and Creech met and began working on joint projects. Here's Steve Creech talking about Wyland's murals and their purpose. I really liked the way that he was connecting with people and capturing their attention about environmental issues just by virtue of the fact that he was creating these really beautiful life-size murals of marine life and animals on the sides of buildings and urban areas. And I just thought it was a great way to show not only the scale of these animals and uh, give people a sense of scale, but also a reminder that that the we have these incredibly precious, fragile ecosystems just virtually a few miles away from us. And it's hard to think about all the life under the ocean when you just look out at a seascape and see a flat sea. But I ended up working for Wyland initially to write some books for him because of my journalistic background. But I also was very, very interested in what we were capable of doing together. He is an artist, myself as a journalist and an environmentalist by focusing our work on the foundation. So over the last couple of years, um, we've taken the foundation to uh, really new heights now, I'll give you some background on the foundation. It was started in 1993 by Wyland, and at the time it was more focused on, on integrating arts and getting kids involved in understanding and appreciating marine life through the arts. Over time, though, as Wyland and I worked together, it became very clear to us that we had to do more if we were going to protect the ocean than just focus on our coast. We had to really look upstream at the inputs that were going into our lakes and streams and our rivers and our wetlands and everything that flowed through our watersheds down the, to our coasts. So that really became uh, the, the new incarnation of the foundation that took place about uh, 15 years ago. So in a nutshell, the foundation is really this innovative creative, groundbreaking environmental education organization 
that encourages people of all ages, not just not just kids, but people of all ages to take action to ensure the future of our ocean and our lakes and our rivers, streams and wetlands, because we see them as uh, as a unified whole. And obviously, water transcends any geographic or political boundaries. So it affects everybody. And we have to look at it like that. Like in years past, people would look at the oceans as being separate and distinct from one another. But now, of course, we've come to realize that there is only one ocean and it is impacted by the actions of all of us, whether we live by the coast or if we live upstream. But all of our activities, what we eat, uh, the energy that we use, everything, how we, how we landscape our, our, our lawns and what we throw into our storm drains, everything affects the health of our watersheds and our oceans and ultimately the health of, of our species. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Steve Creech. He is president of the Weiland Foundation, and we're talking about the work the foundation does um, and I wanted to go back a little to the uh, founder, to uh, Robert Weiland, who I guess is now known simply as Weiland. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. yeah and he has a very interesting story, uh, his own story. I wonder if you could elaborate on that. Yeah. And it truly is an incredible story. Weiland is one of the most unique people I've ever met, and he's committed his entire life to uh, the art of the sea. And it was a passion that really began in the Midwest in Detroit, where he grew up and he was raised by a, a single mom who raised four boys by herself in uh, Madison Heights area outside of Detroit. And his mom actually used to work graveyard shifts. She was one of the first forklift drivers at the Chrysler stamping plant in Dearborn. And so she would work at night and she would raise her boys and uh, all under the age of, uh, I think under the age of five wow. <laughs> um, when she did become a single mother. So she really had her hands full, but uh, she always encouraged the boys and uh, uh, Wyland uh, was really a, a budding artist. And um, when he was a kid, he, uh, he had uh, some corrective surgeries uh, for an issue on his foot. Uh, so he would be in a cast uh, every summer uh, up until he was 11 because he'd go through these corrective surgeries. So he would be the one during summer vacation. Um, and I'm sure he, how hard this would be for a, a young kid you know, when you get out of school and the first thing you have to do is go and have a, a surgery and your foot's gonna be in a cast. Right. all summer but that was his situation up until he was 11 so with the family would go to um you know uh, day trips to the local lakes you know he couldn't swim uh because his foot was in the cast so he would sit and he would draw and sketch and i think that was where he first really um where the seeds of the artists were born but he was also very fascinated with with Jacques Cousteau, um, uh, Walt Disney. Uh, and you can see a lot of this emerging now in, in the work that we do because the 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 foundation, as I mentioned, it, we're, we're really based in a creative sensibility, uh, encouraging the arts and um, inspiring people to 
uh, appreciate these uh, water systems that we have, but then also pursue education and a greater understanding of the um, of the science uh, of biology and of of what makes these ecosystems work. One of the the seminal moments for him was on a uh, family trip to the West where uh, he had seen the ocean. This was the first time he ever saw the ocean. And it just so happened that it was also the first time he'd ever seen whales because uh, uh, a couple hundred yards offshore in Laguna Beach where he was, uh, he saw a mother and a baby hump, uh, gray whale, I'm sorry, um, just offshore. And he said that that really, really changed his life. Can you yeah. uh, uh, talk about the whaling walls? Yeah. So when when Wyland did finally come to Southern California, uh, he had an amazing idea um, because he wanted to really catch people's attention about the beauty and the majesty of these marine these marine mammals and. Um, uh, Laguna Beach being the arts colony that it is, he wanted to paint a life-size uh, gray whale and a calf like the ones he had seen in that same spot when he was 14 and uh, paint that on one of the local walls. So he approached the city council and uh, they thought the idea was pretty outlandish and he had he spent months lobbying everybody in the city to let him do it. And uh, finally, he uh, got approval, uh, permission from a local property owner. And uh, from that, that first um, Marine Life mural was born and people nicknamed it the Whaling Wall. So it was kind of a nickname that stuck. Yeah. And, um, you know, with all due respect to the uh, uh, Whaling Wall in Jerusalem, but, uh, I, you know, I think people intended it with... Um, you know, with uh, compassion. And uh, right. uh, so, as I said, that it just stuck. Yeah. And then from there, he decided he was going to do 100 of these around the world. And that's what he did. So over the course of the next 30 years, he wow. traveled uh, everywhere from Australia to France, Brazil, England, uh, Micronesia, South Pacific, all over the United States, painting these gigantic uh, life-size images of whales. And they were all done as donations for the communities. Right. So the only, the only thing that the, we would do as a foundation is try to raise money to cover the costs of the paints and the boom lifts and, you know, the mm -hmm. insurance in case there was overspray, um, which occasionally there was, some people did get their, their vehicles covered with blue paint. <sighs> so that always had to be dealt with. Um, hopefully we got a little smarter about reducing uh, those problems. But um, it, it really became something that kind of caught the nation by storm at the time, because in the yeah. 1980s, when this started, um, you know, the environmental movement was, was kind of on the wane. You had the big uh, push for Earth Day uh, in the 70s, and there was great legislation being passed at that time. But but by the 1980s, you know, there seemed to be a bit of a decline in that. And right. um, coincidentally, that about the time he started was when uh, the first real studies came out about um, greenhouse gases and climate change. Um, 
And then uh, in 1989, uh, there was a New York Times article that uh, came out about another study that said, uh, don't expect the blue whales to be around much longer. So I think that this was an important project. Yeah. Um, anything on this scale, and especially on in inner cities and places where people are traditionally disconnected from uh, from the ocean and from the environment. Uh, it was a great, great, brilliant project. Um, right. You know, it was kind of Herculean, <laughs> uh, you know, to uh, and audacious to say he was going to do a hundred of these because when you look at the size of some of them, the mural that he did in Long Beach um, was over six acres in total size after we painted the roof. Six acres, really? Yeah. Wow. That's so, amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm not even sure if that's the smallest one. So we've done uh, murals just everywhere. And, right. uh, you know, and by and large, it's him by himself. We, you know, we've had right. a a couple of folks who've helped us do some backgrounds, but you know, I've, I've been with him on these and worked mm-hmm. with him and it's really amazing what he does, especially when his, he's uh, so close to these walls where really all you can see is a field of blue paint or white, yeah. you know, you really have to have a good sense of scale yeah. and perspective right. to be able to imagine that while you're painting it. So it's, it's really difficult. You're listening to Mothering Earth, and my guest is Steve Creech, president of the Wyland Foundation, which focuses on oceans and the creatures who live there, but also on water and on how to conserve that very scarce and precious resource. One of the Wyland Foundation's programs is the National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation, which rewards city residents for water conservation efforts, such as fixing leaks at home, reducing harmful runoff into local streams, or creating water-efficient landscapes. Our mission at Mothering Earth is to bring you stories like this of people and organizations that are taking action in order to create a more sustainable world. We'd love to have your support, so please spread the word and tell people you know about Mothering Earth. Ask them to listen and subscribe on any podcast platform. Back to our interview with Steve Creech, I asked him about the National Mayor's Challenge. That's a project we're really proud of. And I have to give a little backstory because in 2002, and I had only been with Wyland for about two years, he he said, I want to do a five-year tour for clean water. And um, and it was so it was so far afield from what we'd been doing on the marine life conservation, the ocean themes. Um, but it, it really made sense. And so what we did at that point was um, set up uh, tours across the United States where we would go and we would uh, set up mural projects um, in cities all over. We would do these tours down the Mississippi River and we would stop in um, uh, 
Dubuque or um, Jackson, Mississippi, New Orleans. Um, I mean, you name it. Uh, and we would set up these uh, these small mini murals and we would bring out naturalists and we would bring out, you know, local people who really knew uh, the river and the region and the history and the ecology. And uh, we would celebrate it and we'd celebrate it through art and we'd celebrate it through science. So that the fresh water side of things became very, very important to us. Like we, like I discussed um, and we were doing a project in South Florida um, uh, during uh, around 2008 and a group of mayors uh, it was during the middle of a drought a water crisis in South Florida and they came to us and said uh, you guys seem very interested in you know uh, water conservation and uh, and uh, local freshwater marine ecology what can we do to get our residents more engaged on water they think they turn on a tap and it comes out and it's magic and it's costs <laughs> next to nothing um but it's becoming more and more of a problem because our uh, communities are growing we have to build more infrastructure you know you kind of get the picture there so right. we happen to be one of the first organizations that was really doing that kind of consumer advocacy and outreach about those issues. Um, we had just written a book called uh, Hold Your Water, 68 Things You Need to Know to Keep Our Planet Blue. And um, I think we had a pretty good handle on it. Um, so we got back to the mayors and, and we said we, we'd figure out something. So we worked with some developers and we, we kind of turned it into a bit of a game. Uh, to see which local communities could be the most water wise. And then we would tabulate their participation and the types of pledges they made and, you know, their follow-up commitments. So people loved it. And then we had big city prizes like artworks and things like that. And we did raffles and then uh, we took it to Southern California and uh, we had about 25 cities take part in it. They liked it. And then we hooked up with Toyota and they said, hey, why don't we give a car away to one of the uh, uh, resident, oh. one of the winning cities. So we did that. Anyway, uh, finally, we connected with EPA uh, and they were doing a project on the 40th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. So we all started working together on the National Mayor's Challenge. And uh, it's, since then, it's just spread across the country. We've had over a thousand mayors take part in it. Um, and we've expanded it. So now anybody in the US, you can go on to our website at mywaterpledge.com. Uh, you can select your city and then you can make a series of uh, commitments to change various habits from you know, fixing leaks at home, uh, native landscaping around your, your yard to reduce you know, pesticide runoff, fertilizers, um, you can do local cleanups. There's, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, and then uh, uh, at the end, you'll, you'll see what your impacts will be over the course of a year. Uh, but also we will give them an opportunity to do a bunch of volunteer projects in their community or around their home that'll support their commitments. It makes it really easy. And then yeah. they get uh, actual reports on um, based on the work that they do on reductions in greenhouse gas emissions, uh, reductions in hazardous waste runoff, um, 
total water gallons saved. Even if they plant a tree, you know, we'll tell them based on the species of tree and the location that they planted it in, you know, how much groundwater that will help recharge. And um, so we, we take a really holistic view of this, but um, our ultimate mission is cleaner water, healthier oceans. If you go to this website, is there a list of uh, specific uh, things that you know you can do as part of this challenge? Or yes, okay, yeah, it's all self-explanatory. Uh, all a person needs to do is um, go to the site. Uh, there's a water footprint calculator. If you kind of want to get a perspective on your water use, uh, there's um, what we call my volunteer water project, where you can. Uh, find a, a whole array of different, really simple actions that you can take that can have a real meaningful impact. Right. But, you know, the bottom line, what, what, what we're looking at is, you know, the, fra the fragile and critical nature of these ecosystems. Right. And um, people, tech, they, they, they really don't respond uh, to these problems unless, um, they know they could that their actions have a real impact so we try to we we try to create a program that um you know gives them a way to get involved that empowers them i yeah. think when uh, as you were saying you know when people see that it doesn't have to be a uh you know a government project it can be what you do as a, an, an individual that can make an impact yeah and then, so, you know, on the other side of it, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with some pretty um, significant issues now. You know, we, more than a million species on Earth face extinction at this time. Right. And then, you know, many within a few decades. And, um, you know, we're dealing with ocean acidification, rising sea temperatures. That's all affecting ocean biodiversity. Uh, the plastic pollution issue, I'm sure you guys have covered that. But, yeah. you know, the, they... They, our research says that 8 million pieces of plastic pollution find their way into our ocean every day. Right. And over 90% of all seabirds have ingested that plastic. So, you know, we're dealing with really serious issues, but we just need to give people a funnel to get on board. Um, and then gradually, you know, they'll start understanding the, the correlation between their activities and their actions and these issues like climate change and ocean acidification. Um, so these these are things then that are addressed in the mayor's uh, challenge website, or yes. are okay. And and I'm curious too is uh, uh, you, so you talked about daily household water use things like mm -hmm. that a lot of water is used on landscaping specifically lawns which are basically dead zones. Um, and do you also talk about the effect of diet on water? Oh yeah, we do. We actually, um, one of our, our volunteer projects, we call it volunteer because we ask people to look at their protein consumption. If you can reduce your, your protein consumption even a little bit over what it currently is over the course of a week, um, the, uh, the savings to um, our water resources are incredibly significant, you know, um, among another other host of benefits. You have choices in the meals that you plan. 
and you can taper down on on many of these things you can reduce packaging there's there's just so many options you're listening to mothering earth i'm salwa khan and i'm here today with steve creech president of the wyland foundation and we're talking about the mayor's challenge for water conservation and you're talking about these specific behaviors that you encourage people to do do you have any uh uh data understanding of um, what happens once the challenge is over do do the cities that participate do they in some way track their residents to see you know whether they're uh, following up and 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 sort of uh, engaging in these good behaviors uh, beyond the challenge yeah I think the the cities have their own measurements on water use but what we've done is, uh, conducted a longitudinal study of participating cities over a five-year period to see any changes in consumer uh, water use. And we found that uh, the the cities uh, that participate in the challenge versus um, cities that share similar demographics and similar geography that didn't participate in the challenge, we've, we've found that there's about a, a 2% difference in that water uh, water consumption. Uh, and in a city like the size of Columbus, Ohio, which does participate, um, that 2% can be millions, if not billions of gallons of water. Right. So I think to, um, to the untrained eye, they look at 2% and may not think that much, but when we're dealing with something on the scale of water, uh, that's a huge, huge difference. So we've looked at cities of all different sizes and done cross comparisons on their water use. And uh, we also do uh, pre and post surveys to determine, you know, what people are actually doing based on their pledges. And uh, you know, we find that it's about one out of three people actually do follow through, which is a pretty good statistic when you think about it, because yeah. one of the things about the Wyland Foundation is you know, we, we attract a real cross-section of people across the political spectrum. Uh, and I think it's kind of unusual for an environmental group. Uh, of course, we're a bit of an arts group too, but uh, it's unusual for group a group like ours to cast such a wide net. And it's one of the things that I like about our organization is um, people trust us. Um, we've been around a long time we found that our programs like the National Mayor Challenge, um, there's really nothing like it. And it is, it is effective and it's a great way of engaging people uh, in ways that maybe they haven't been before. Right. So if, if an individual, uh, you know, listening was interested in joining, uh, in taking this challenge, um, do they have to go to their mayor in, or the mayor of their city or town or whatever and, and uh, get them interested in it or I'm not, I'm still not clear on exactly how people take up the challenge. Sure. We, uh, anybody anywhere can make a pledge on behalf of their city. They go to mywaterpledge.com. Uh, there's a map, they find their city, they start making pledges and then those pledges are essentially assigned to their city and they can share that. And so your city can win without a mayor. Oh, uh, However, uh, when the mayors participate, uh, the cities do much better because we ask that the mayors, you know, use the uh, use their position to 
elevate uh, uh, environmental issues. And that's really what this is about. You mentioned uh, winning. What is it that people win? Oh, well, uh, we some of our prizes include what well, we pay uh, your utility bills uh, up to $3,000. So uh, uh, we have five winners uh, for that. Um, we have uh, home landscaping equipment from the Toro company. We have uh, uh, gift cards for uh, uh, Home Depot and home improvement stores. So all told, we have about $50,000 in prizes that we're giving away this year. And, and how does the city win? The city wins by uh, the cities with the highest percentage of residents that participate okay. um, in their population category wins. So we have five different population categories, very small cities, uh, all the way up to large cities like Houston. In your uh, ideal world, how would people think about water and use water? Well, I think people really need to understand that 80% of all ocean pollution starts on land. So we have to look at ourselves and what we're consuming on a daily basis, what our needs are, and reassess those in order to make more of a difference. So a big part of what we're talking about is managing our waste and, um, using these resources more wisely and thinking about the implications of our use of these resources. Check out the website, mywaterpledge.com and take the challenge or simply get ideas on how to conserve water. Remember, while the planet we live on is a very watery place, 70% of it is covered in water, but only 4% of that water is fresh water, the kind we can use to drink, cook, bathe, use on crops, and so on. And as Earth's population grows, there's less water for each of us to use. What we can do is conserve water every day. So let's do it. Thanks so much for listening. Tell people you know about the Mothering Earth podcast. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on your podcast platform. Mothering Earth is also on Instagram at mothering underscore earth and on Facebook at mothering earth pod. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your very own source for sustainable living news.